Hey everyone, my name is Ashley with H Tech Sports Tech. I'm one of the uh, co-founders of H Tech Sports Tech. I also have my uh, partner as well, Nate Thompson, uh, that's going to be joining here on our panel. Uh, he's also co-founder of H Tech Sports Tech, and uh, I wanted to introduce some of our panelists who we are excited about. Happy to have them here with us uh, to talk about, you know, sports, esports, investment landscape, all of these exciting things, and you know, just the, the opportunities that's uh, that's out here uh, in the ecosystem, but then also opportunities that are in the city of Houston as well too. And so, you know, really excited about doing this type of uh, panel for the uh, Houston Tech Rodeo. And so, uh, without further ado, I want to jump into it, and I want to introduce you to uh, Sandra Lopez, who is the VP General Manager of Intel Sports. And we also have Tim Fung, who's a partner at Intersect Venture Capital, Intersect VC. Um, and then we also have Roan, uh, who is a co-founder of Sports Tech X. And so, uh, like I said, I want to take a second to introduce everyone to them first. And uh, I'll be moderating this panel with my uh, partner as well as a uh, really good friend, Nate Thompson. And uh, let's kick this thing off. So, uh, Nate, do you want to throw out, I want to get deep deep and i want to do a deep dive into it so <laughs> coming out coming out coming out the uh coming out the gate hard so nate do you want to throw the first question out uh to our panelists or you know yeah first question i just wanted to allow everybody to kind of give an intro to like who they are what they're doing what they're working on and kind of how they how their journey is progressing to esports and sports tech uh sandra do you want to start yeah, I can start. I think it's really interesting. First, glad to be here. And I think it's absolutely an exciting time in terms of the convergence of sports and technology. Um, we at Intel often like to state that sports hasn't really changed uh, for the past, like over the eight decades. I remember watching American football with my father, the big couch, big screen. And it's kind of a little bit the same with my daughter nowadays, albeit I would argue the last five years since we embarked on this journey, um, a pretty significant transformation in the world of sports and then COVID-19 amplified it. Um, I've had the fortunate opportunity to land myself in sports tech really from the interest of just technology growing up in Silicon Valley. I've been in tech for most of my life. Um, had the pleasure of leading our wearable efforts um, which was related to human performance around the athletes and I was asked by my leadership to really cross over into the world of immersive media, really to help the sports industry address the next generation of fans and how they consume content. I'm not sure my daughter will ever watch a full game of basketball or football. Um, and they like to do Snap and TikTok. So we'll talk a little bit about how that's changing and what it means for the leagues and media rights holders. So looking forward to having the conversation with all of you. Thank you. No, pass it out to Tim. Great, great. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Nate and, and Ash. And uh, yeah, it's great to you know talk with a great panel here. Uh, so, uh, so I'm a partner at uh, Intersect VC, and you know most of our investments have really kind of fallen under, I guess, three main categories. So, like CPG, direct to consumer companies, marketplaces and platforms, um, and B2B software. Uh, but we really like to like kind of like work with some of the the sports properties and esports properties that we've invested in to work with our you know portfolio companies and just really find those creative you know ways to to, to collaborate and and just add more value um, and and just so excited to kind of uh, you know talk a little bit more you know deeper about the space. 
Right, cool. I think I'm I'm next. Um, this is Ron, and I think I bring the international flavor to this panel because I'm in Berlin right now. Um, I don't know if anybody else is outside of the US, uh, but no. Basically, I co-founded a company called Sports Tech X. What we do is we talk about what's happening in the sports tech ecosystem, and we do this from a global perspective. Like we do a lot of deep content about um, about what's happening in different parts of the world. What's happening in North America versus Europe. versus asia how much investment has there been in sports tech startups over a say a five year period what are the hottest trends in the ecosystem um so yeah and because we have this global perspective i think if when i say that i'm very bullish about what's happening in sports tech and it's a very exciting time to be in the, this industry i mean our company is pretty young we've only been around 3 years and what started out is just kind of research for me personally of like hey let's look at what's happening in different markets Suddenly, that small idea turned into a company because it seemed like there were other people who were also interested in this information. That itself is 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 a good example of how interesting the space is and how it's growing really quickly. Um, so yeah, we produce a lot of content about uh, what's happening in the world. So excited to hear what the rest of the panel has to has to say about it as well. Hey and, and and Ron, you know it's it's funny, man. Um, just just from you know several years ago when we found out about Sports Tech X, um, to to your point, I mean, there's a lot of interest out there globally as to you know what these startups are doing uh, across the entire you know ecosystem in sports and in esports. And so, you know, it was a pleasure to be able you know connect with you guys through Stadia Ventures, you know, several years ago and kind of see the progression and the growth. Uh, uh, even the reports that you guys put out, um, you know, and how you do a really deep dive, uh, you know, across the entire, you know, global ecosystem of sports. And so, you know, I'm just curious: uh, is there just from like your latest reports um, that came out, are there any interesting takeaways um, or trends that you're seeing, uh, you know, from that report um, that you know our audience uh, should be aware of? Yeah, I mean, I, I can talk about it in, from two perspectives. I think there are some global or macro trends which are, are relevant everywhere in the world, um, and which is actually when we first started doing these reports three years ago, that was interesting for me to see because, like, connected fitness or the fitness uh, industry in general, that being so wide and diverse and it actually flourishing everywhere. Um, Esports, of course, now it's passe, but. I mean, it's not passe. It's super hot still, but just the fact that you talk about esports is yeah, duh. It's exciting everywhere, and content in the content industry and how automated content and distribution and generation. There's so much, so much around it. So we kind of talk about those as the three big trends, uh, and a lot of development in in each of those spaces. And there are sub segments within within each of those, um, but then there are unique uh, trends which are specific to geographies. Like for example, of course. In the U.S., you can't have a conversation without talking about betting and all the technology around the, around that topic. In India, for example, you can't have a conversation without talking about fantasy sports, which is pretty close to betting. Uh, but that's specific to that geography. Um, in Europe, it's it's something different. So there are some trends which are specific to the geographies that uh, which are native to those those regions. But there are the bigger ones, like I said, fitness, content, esports, and then there are more topical things. For example. Um, I, I I would hazard a guess, but if you maybe in June of last year you were suddenly to talk about SPACs, everybody would be looking at you like, hey, what is that really? And by the time October November came out, it's like 
who doesn't talk who's not talking about it and now again maybe there's a trend that it's cooled off a bit in since feb march we haven't heard about those kind of launches i mean i think there was 15 billion dollars um that was invested in or kind of sitting in spacs in a period of 4 or 5 months which is kind of insane when you think about it um so that happened that went super hard then you have nfts which are beyond super hard um so i mean there are a lot of things that we see uh, as trends which pick up a uh, short time if i mean i don't think nfts is a short thing but um there are trends which we see move over a short period of time or there are big trends which are across the globe like nfts is a us specific thing it will pick up somewhere else so fitness content these sports is clearly global and then there are specific ones which are hotter in specific regions But Ron, I would I would say on the NFT, I do think it's going to become global. I mean, we have our clubs overseas that they're all trying to figure this out and I think this goes just back to it's just a digital era and you talk about the macro trends around technology and the metaverse and how, you know, this whole digital world is going to exist and it's funny when everybody's like is this just a fad? and we can't say it's a fad anymore it's it's going to happen and if you look at the evolution of technology and you know nobody really wanted to provide their credit cards online and now you have your your phone as your wallet so if you can and then technology's definitely being adopted at an accelerated rate so that the whole nft the whole digital world is going to happen and then the question is as the sports industry's just playing catch up with some of the basic technology how do you start to think about these emerging technologies and really establish what the future's going to be while being relevant for the present yeah no i completely agree i think sports can actually be a leader in the nft space and it, it's done a good job so far uh, and i think it continue to, to do i agree it's a global thing and it's just a matter of time Hey so so you know in in keeping you know the conversation talking about those trends you know Sandra I'm curious from Intel's perspective you know I know you guys are doing like some really cool stuff with you know TrueView and and you know different type of technology like you know can you can you kind of speak on like some of the some of the different initiatives or technology or trends that you're seeing um that you know Intel is really going you know kind of leaning in on Yeah. I mean, I think the great thing from an Intel perspective is that we serve multiple industries and what we have an opportunity is if you look at things from a high-level balcony, you start to see the macro trends both on the consumer side, which applies to fans and on the business side. So, on the fan side, what was really interesting is that the next generation, you know, they don't want to be told what to see. right they're very independent they want to be control they want to create their own content and so what we're seeing in the conversations that we're having with the sports industry is that you know the four cameras that are on the field is no longer enough like they don't want to have one perspective they all and then as people have moved from like loyal to team but loyal to athletes they want to follow that particular athlete and they want to have the perspective of how they broke down the play um for a particular game and so what we are seeing is that the fans more so than ever want highly interactive they want to be content you know creators right so user generated content they want to break down the play the way they see it they want to be able to share it with others and so you think about how how leaves control the media there's going to be a point in time where they're going to have to let the fans you know have a little bit more control. Um and that's going to be a good thing because that's how they're going to engage the next generation of 
fans and I, we all often like to say is that um, this next generation they all have kind of a little bit of ADD they can pick and choose right they can pick and choose whatever content they want to see so now it's the sports needs to fight for time so we're seeing that from a fan perspective is um, highly interactive highly personalized um, and the ability to share and the ability to look at things from a very individualized perspective now you break it down on the operation side like ron highlighted like betting fantasy i mean you know betting in the us it's the thing that you all have to talk about and with all of that comes i think the power of data and so like we're very fortunate we have a platform called trueview many people see it from the context of um, unlimited perspectives on, on the kind of broadcast digital side but really what our platform is i always like to use the analogy like the iPhone. When Steve Jobs announced the iPhone, it had a couple of services. It had your your maps, but he never realized all the other services that could be generated from that platform. And similarly, um, with TrueView, our data can be used, whether it's for betting, fantasy, NFTs, coaching, officiating. There's so many endless opportunities, and I and I do think this is going to allow the sports industry to think more creative and kind of open their aperture and consider how does data help me transform my business to continuously grow as well as protect the athletes. Yeah, if I, if I could jump in real quick, yeah, I mean, just to, to piggyback on, on Sandra, like, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, content, I think is also shifting a lot more stories are being told from like the athlete view, like as well, like more more fans, like, you know, as, as, as Sandra, you know, mentioned, they are gravitating towards individual athletes, you know, want to like hear their stories, you know, on and off, you know, the, the, the fields. And I think that's, that's super exciting. I think on the data side, I mean, I think now a lot of brands are really getting involved, you know, with seeing more data, seeing the opportunities within certain sports, um, you know, to get more involved when they haven't uh, had the opportunity or, or kind of the, the awareness to, to get involved for. But no, that that's uh, no. This is some great, great insight, and you know, it's it's one of those things to where I, I agree. Um, you know, to Sandra's point, that these fans, you know, they're definitely wanting to get different perspectives, and so, you know, I guess from you know for 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 the viewers or our audience out here, you know, what are some of those, you know, things that you see, especially like uh, Tim with Dapper Labs? Like, I know you guys are an investor in Dapper Labs, so can you kind of speak on like? the technology that dapper you know dapper labs is 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 leveraging or using um for our audience who might not know you know what dapper labs is or what they're about can you kind of speak on dapper labs but then also you know why or what was the rationale behind also you know getting behind them financially from you know from an investment standpoint sure sure yeah i mean i think you know for for everybody that that's uh familiar with dapper labs you know they're they're the creator of, of crypto kitties and and NBA top shot. Um, so, you know, I think that, uh, you know, they're building, you know, you know, infrastructure here. I mean, you know, they have the, the, the flow, um, you know, part of the interest infrastructure and, and the tokens that kind of like power a lot of the underlying technology of top shot. Um, you know, and I think that this is really just the beginning of, you know, NFTs as collectibles, but then also building a pro upon that for uh, you know, more utility uh, around that. And, you know, I think that, you know, from the evolution and, and the first, you know, crypto kitties, and then kind of doing a lot of learnings from that, seeing how much 
uh, you know, them building upon that in, in Ethereum and then now building Flow um, is, is just really exciting to, to, to know that there's going to be creating more, you know, efficiency, um, you know, and, and, and speed, you know, in the NFT space, but then also now setting down that, that infrastructure and, and roadmap to, to build much more exciting things. Now, to, I guess for, this is for Ron. I guess what Tim kind of mentioned, like, and Sander mentioned, that the consumer is kind of dictating what content is created, how it's consumed. Um, it's, and you have this platform where you do Hello Sports Tech, uh, where you kind of demonstrate all these different products and services that are newly out there. Um, how do you, I guess what I want to ask is kind of how do you see that content generation piece kind of developing? Um, across these different markets, whether it's Europe, Asia, or North America? Uh, content generation specifically? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for the plug, Nate. Yeah, Hello Sports Tech is another brand that we have. Uh, always appreciate that. Uh, now, just, just for, for everybody else an idea, so with Hello Sports Tech, well, with Sports Tech X, we're kind of in the B2B space primarily, right? We're talking to investors, to small teams, to people that are yourself about what is the core new tech, who are these founders, what is the technology and how does it get there. But with Hello Sports Tech, the idea is to take it to the consumer because all of these companies in the end, they need to find that audience. They need to find uh, validation through the end user. Um, but that's just what Hello Sports Tech is about. With content generation specifically, I think there are many things. Um, so first is what what type of content are we talking about? Uh, is it long form? Is it short form? What is the platform that it's meant to go out on? Who is the audience that it's speaking to? Um, suddenly, you've seen a lot of a lot of companies um, go into content creation, which is about behind the scenes, starting from obviously the bigger the bigger streaming platform. Just look at them; the number of shows that Netflix and Amazon Prime have suddenly put out. Um, which is not at all just a season review kind of thing. It's actually going into the storytelling of what is going on behind the scenes with all these athletes. Um, and that is why. Why are they doing that? It's because fans want that. They want to go behind the game, behind the race, behind the field of play and get into the personal stories of these athletes. Uh, that's why sites like Players Tribune, The Athletic, I mean, these are really powerful content generation engines which it's really do tell the story behind just those 90 minutes, two hours, three hours of field of play uh, of, of the actual game. So that's on one side. But at the same time, there's the short form content where um, fans want content directly from the athletes, right? which is why a lot of sports teams we see are investing in um, like automated content generation and distribution platforms where they can go easily from from the training field, like the game we already know, but from the training field uh, directly out to social media where a fan can see a player just kicking a ball around with a couple of buddies, having a laugh, um, scoring a trick goal, things like that. Uh, so that's another thing that, that the audience wants. And then, of course, the stories from the athletes themselves, what brands they endorse, what do they eat, what do they wear, all that. So it's just this constant barrage of different types of content. And so it's difficult to pick a like one trend is it is it only short form content does everybody want only small package stuff no there is an audience for long form content as well um there are people who watch 10 hours of of uh, of an amazon show so i mean and those are there's big audiences for those shows as well so it just depends like there are it seems like we're in an age where 
yeah, there is an audience for everything. It's just that you have to decide how big is the audience that you're trying to reach. And I had a follow up for Sandra, kind of related to that media experience for fans. Uh, you guys recently announced a partnership with the Sacramento Kings for this immersive media experience. Would you be able to dive into a little bit about what that is and kind of also why the Kings were a good fit for that investment? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, we look at partnerships in terms of do they understand the vision, right? Do we have a unified point of view of we're here to serve the fan and we're here to provide the fan many different services. And so the Kings, along with many other teams, are fantastic partners because they're closer to the fan than we are, right? So they bring the fan in sight whether they're going to the venue or not, or, or they're using their digital experience. And we bring the technical know-how and our platform and the reason why Intel's doing it, we always like to say if it's if it's easy, Intel will not do it. If it's hard, we're gonna do it. And it's because you're what we're doing is we're literally capturing the game, whether it's in the arena, on the court or on the field, whether it's American football or soccer, real time. And then we are, you know, deconstructing and reconstructing in three dimensional spaces. So simply put, take a pixel and add a cube. And what the cube allows you to do is that you can have a fly through camera from any perspective, right? And you can be, a, I, we always like to use the analogy, like imagine if you're a bumblebee and you want to see the play from Tom Brady's perspective and you know, how he threw the ball and what he saw, you could do that. And oftentimes people think like, wait, it was there a camera in his helmet? We're like, no, these are virtual cameras. And so what that enables you to do is if we have the 3D, three-dimensional capture of the entire game, we, that means we've captured every single play. So even for the traditional broadcasters, like they'll never miss a play because we have it, right? Um, if you want to break down one of your favorite plays and see it from 10 different perspectives or, you know, or infinite perspectives, we're able to do that. And so we love our platform because it goes back to their earlier conversation is that we're all individuals. Like this whole notion of mass media no longer exists. And when Ron was just highlighting kind of the opportunity statement, albeit also the problem statement is that everybody has their own way of wanting to consume the content and be entertained. And so now the content providers have to figure out how they're gonna do that. How are they gonna break it down from following a particular athlete when only very specific players get followed, right? Um, that no longer works. You know, how do you deliver highlights in near real time? And then, you know, the other um, opportunities, some people are gonna wanna watch the entire game. And so we get excited because you know, when we're asked the convert, when we have the conversations with the teams and the leagues, like, can you do that with your platform? And the answer is yes. It, it's it's once you have a three dimensional model of a game, there's so many things you can do with that. Um, coupled with also, like, we're very honored to leverage our platform to to address the safety of our of the players. Right? Without the athletes, there's no sport. Um, and, you know, Intel's one of those companies that were very committed to social responsibility and, you know, the protection of athletes is one of the things. So thinking about what our platform can do in multiple ways is is such an honor. Um, and so and we were talking, I was laughing because we were as we we're talking about trends. It hasn't come up. So it's like we haven't brought it up. I got to bring it up like OTT streaming, right? People used to say, like, it would never happen. People are not going to watch sports in this little screen. and. It has happened, right? It like accelerated to beat Disney's perspectives. Like it's just the numbers are just, people are killing it. 
And it's because we have, we live in a multi-device world. I mean, people talk about primary, secondary device. And I always tell people like, forget all that. That doesn't exist. We have multiple screens, some large, some small, and we're going to consume content in many different ways. And that's just what our new reality is. No, that, that, that's a great point, Sandra. And I mean, I, I, yeah, I can agree. I mean, I think just, you know, when you're talking about just consuming, you know, sports and I mean, yeah, like at, at this point, whether it's your iPad, you know, your iPhone, whatever the case is, it doesn't matter. Like eventually virtual screens are going to pop up. Literally, mm -hmm. this is what's going to happen. It's going to be yes. like the matrix. Here you go. And it's, <laughs> it's happening. Look at the investments yeah. that company like, like Intel, like Facebook's and Apple's of the world. I tell people like start spending time on what people are doubling down on and you're going to start to see kind of what the future is going to become and i think you know obviously for in houston and when you're looking at the power of technology you've already seen it how it disrupted all these other industries it's sport like such a massive opportunity in sports in terms of bringing technology to drive efficiencies in stadiums smart cities the fan there's just so much opportunity sometimes you're like where do you want to begin like where do you begin because there's yeah. so many opportunities that present itself yeah no that that's so 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 true and you know i think tim like i know you guys are an investor in triller so kind of you know in, in regards to sandra's point you know being able to consume content in so many different you know ways like can you kind of elaborate on triller and because i mean i think that when i think it was uh, i can't remember what fight that was but it was a fight of, i think it was a mike tyson fight or something like that and uh correct me if i'm wrong but i think triller was like one of the sponsors personally i you know I, I didn't watch any content at the time on Triller until I was made aware, you know, what Triller was. But can you kind of yeah. speak to that? Because, yeah, to Sandra's point, like we're all kind of consuming content in so many ways now. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks for that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, Triller's been, you know, what what a wild ride, you know, Triller has has been over the last year or so, and you know, I think, you know, having you know, an expedition of. Uh, you know of Tyson back in, in in November and just like how I, I don't know if, if if you all you know kind of noticed but it just took over social media um you know like just everybody was talking about it I mean I was just like scrolling like on 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 Twitter um and just there's just so, like so many comments you know you know there's there's a lot of positive and some some things you know that that, are, that you know you know uh, we had to work on you know as part of a, a Triller but uh uh yeah I mean I think just just it just you know really you know just everybody talking about the reach you know i think was was really amazing and that that's evolved in, into kind of now the the triller fight club and you know had had one you know uh, you know a month ago and they're going to have a series of of these and and it's really brought like new you know new audiences and kind of like rebooted kind of you know the the boxing um you know kind of like industry and and um you know has has really kind of flipped the model if you kind of look at what what the numbers that have been published around um you know kind of like traditional like pay-per-view and then kind of like you know as we're talking about like you know watching on multiple screens and um you know mobile devices and you know it's just like removing like a lot of like friction that used to to be there so i think that now that you know, a lot of this content and, and media and, and being able to view things just very easily from, from an app and not having to go through like multiple menus and screens and, and all that stuff, like, you know, makes it, um, you know, much more of a, a streamlined, 
uh, you know, type of experience. So, so yeah, so I think, you know, there, there's a lot of exciting things that, that Triller has, um, you know, kind of lined up, but I think it's really just, you know, continuing to, to bring together, you know, an audience that, you know, wants to see more of this type of content. Yeah, actually, just to jump in on, on the point that was made, it, uh, Nate, you talked about content generation. It almost seems like content distribution is the more important thing at this point and how that reaches new audiences. Because, I mean, kind of amazing stuff that Triller's doing on one side, you, you've also got, we talked about betting earlier and how much broadcasters are jumping on the betting bandwagon, creating bro- betting-specific broadcasts. I mean, we've already seen ESPN do that. Fox will have something in that space. Um, then we've had broadcasts for a diff- completely different audience. We saw the Nickelodeon and NFL partnership, which is clearly taking sports and gearing it to a specific audience. You've got a slime slight end zone kind of thing happening and all sorts of animation and graphics for that the nba doing something with marvel uh, which is again a different co- collaboration bringing tech and onto the broadcasting uh channel and then obviously you add ott and then the distribution game changes so i think there's so much innovation happening even in those spaces so content generation on one side but content distribution also there's a lot lot going on Nice. To kind of transition the conversation from like the current landscape of the ecosystem to the future and kind of what you all just kind of touched on, what uh, technologies are you kind of most excited about exploring and utilizing for as either live events start to come back or they've already started to come back, especially with the Canelo fight here in Dallas where they had 70,000 people or with these media platforms, uh, kind of what excites you about what's to come in the future? Kind of what do you see on the horizon? I can go. I mean, I think Nate, you you highlighted, um, you know, live events coming back. Um, but I also want to remi- remind people that not everybody can afford stuff. To, you know, you can't afford to go. Um, somebody was just mentioning they were talking about. You know, I live near SF Giants and the parking, the cost for parking, the cost for tickets, and before you know it, it's already you know plus three hundred dollars. You know, out of pocket. It's not something that everybody could afford. So since the economics is shifting, what I think is really important is the technologies that allow everybody to experience it as if they're almost in the venue, right? And, and, and also up close and personal. So um, not not to just you know be my own brand ambassador, but if I take TrueView and you can get up close and personal, couple that with the emerging you know augmented reality and virtual reality, then anybody on the planet who could never imagine going to their favorite stadium, whether it's Fenway, whatever it may be, being able to see their athlete up close and personal and on the field is, I think, is going to be transformative. And it's ta- and it gives everybody like equal opportunity um, because we have to remember that there's also the affordability. And so from my perspective, I get excited about technologies that break down the economic divide and allow our next generation of kids that are such sports fanatics. I always think people like sports brings everybody together. And so how do we allow everybody to experience what you know other people experience in the arena, right? The sound, the noise, like if you think about the power of VR and what it's going to do, it's going to be transformative. And so I get excited about um, bringing fans closer to the game, especially those that will never have the opportunity to experience it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, also, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of like tr- this trend, you know, this acceleration of, of more technology to, yeah, to bring the, you know, to go to where the fan 
you know, is and, and where they want to go. So, you know, you'll see, you know, like, can, you know, platforms like Cameo and, and, and others where, where you can kind of have those meet and greets, um, you know, kind of like in this like kind of virtual, like, you know, world and, and not having to, you know, the ability, you know, for, for until recently to have those, you know, in game, you know, in, in stadium and in, in, in reading experiences. So, so yeah, so I think we'll still kind of see a lot, a lot more of that, um, you know, as yeah, you know, to, to kind of have that, that full level of, of affordability and accessibility. And, you know, I think that's, that's also really great to, to kind of see that, that uh, there's going to be a lot of variety, um, you know, mixed in there. So then you can, you know, do a lot of things or, or, you know, based on, on the time and, and, uh, you know, capital uh, needed. Um, yeah, maybe I'll just go in a different direction, maybe just to, to add a different flavor. I'll talk about well, one thing that I've been really excited about because we've spent a bit of time with it in the recent past is exergaming or certainly mixed reality exergaming. So this is talking about the fitness space and connected fitness has been such a hot trend, especially during the pandemic. Everybody has a, either has placed an order for a Peloton or has one in their house already, uh, it seems like, or one of those devices. Um, but no, so taking it to the next level is bringing mixed reality and augmented reality, adding the VR that Sandra was talking about and actually being competitive in a social environment. Like we got to try some of these devices. Uh, there's a company called Icarus uh, in Munich, another one called Fun With Balls. Like it's just super cool stuff. You put on a VR headset and you're flying through something, but you're not gaming. You're actually, your body is getting a full on yeah. workout. I, I mean, I was on that device for about 30 minutes and I was yeah like my core had a workout i was sweating it was the whole thing and i totally got it i was like this could easily become a competitive league sport thing of its own they have they already have like this, the companies are doing stuff on their own um but the olympics has already announced that they're going to be doing virtual sports uh, so zwift has a partnership at the olympics i think there's a sailing thing there's something for motorsports so i mean this combination of virtual sports with real world where there is uh, there's all this cool ar vr tech layers but then there's an actual full body workout like your body is involved as well like that could easily and probably very quickly will become a thing um yeah that was something that we just did recently on hello sports tech and i was like yeah i, I want some more of that no, I agree, Ron. And one of the things oftentimes when we talk about um, virtual reality, people talk about like the big headsets. And I and I remind people, remember how the computer started. It was a massive mainframe. Then we had desktops. Some of you guys were not born. Then we had laptops. And then we have this, right? And then technology changes. Definitely the acceleration rate is much faster than back in the you know 70s and 80s. So you can only imagine that those headsets are going to be like glasses and then eventually they're just going to be screens, these virtual screens. That, you know. So for those people that don't believe in some of these emerging technologies, I'm like, it's just a matter. It's, it's not if, it's just one. And let, let the technology adoption curve kind of play out and let the ecosystem, the tech companies like, redo, you know, work with the hardware, work with the software to bring a frictionless experience to um, the industry. Yeah, that, that's a great point, Sandra. And I think just when I think about just like football, for example, you know, I think a lot of, you know, coaches probably would have argued that there would be not a day in their coaching career where they would actually have their players wearing VR headsets yeah. and, actually, you know, learning from a, a playbook that's all in virtual reality. Like if you probably ask every coach, you know, that's 
you know, I don't know, like been coaching for 20, 30 years, they'd be like, no way. Yeah. No way. What? Like, like, no way. But to your point, it's the technology, it's, it's, it's changing at such a fast pace. And so absolutely, I can see these football players, basketball players, all athletes literally putting on these glasses that, that, that you can just wear every day. Yeah. And to, to where eventually, like you said, it will be a screen, you know, VR, you know, AR uh, experience that they can just literally be experiencing all the different plays, you know, right there in the coach's room, you know, in, right. in, in, in the players uh, in the players room. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, it's really exciting uh, when you think about that and like what the future, you know, future lies ahead. And so, um, yeah, no, this is this is really good stuff. And I, you know, and, and I want to kind of change up gears, um, switch gears, because I wanted to ask you, you know, I know just with everything going on in, you know, sports space uh, and especially like in esports, when you talk about diversity and, you know, uh, uh, women, you know, just being being, you know, at the table, like I know that there's initiatives that entail uh is working on has already you know started to 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 actually you know execute um where you have like women in sports in, in sports tech you know um minorities in sports um to address like a lack of diversity and and, and being able to have a, a even playing field can you kind of share or speak on that and like the things that intel is doing um that you know you're doing as well too to kind of address like those different uh those different issues in the industry yeah, I mean, I think it's first of all, it's such an honor back in 2015, our CEO at the time at um, the largest technology show um, in the world, which is Consumer Electronics Show, highlighted the importance of diversity and inclusion before it became the trendy topic with other corporations. So um, credit to Intel, um, the leadership role it plays. Um, we put very hard metrics um, and we measure ourselves so that we know where we have gaps. Um, and where we are learning and how do we share the best uh, BKMs. Um, but I have to tell you, you know, that was macro intel and um, joining the sports media industry. I always tell people it's like, I feel like I'm in a triple male world. It's always men. Um, yet, you know what? The females are the ones that are driving their kids to go play sports. Um, you know, I know that in the NFL, there's a large population of females that love American football. Um, and we love to, you know, celebrate it Sunday with the family. And so, um, and then you have, you know, I just, this is, you know, heard my, my daughter, she's 11, um, with her friends and some of her big basketball players. And they're like, mom, like, why don't we ever see women's, you know, NBA on TV, right? On the screen. And that's just wrong. And that's not acceptable. And so um, we have partnered with Hashtag Sports to ensure that in order to change, I'm a very big believer, it starts at the top. You need to have leadership people um, of um, all ethnicities and all genders at C-level, at board of director levels. And until that happens, it's gonna be very difficult to change. So um, with Hashtag Sports really looking at uh, recruitment and making sure that we provide opportunities when we see job openings, um, ensuring that agencies um, who are of minority have an opportunity to respond to business opportunities. Women in sports and technologies, we got to fill the pipeline. You know, oftentimes you're like, well, we can't find, can't find enough. You know, African Americans, we can't find uh, Latinos, or we can't find women. I'm like, yeah, they're out there, but we're going to continue to, you know, build the pipeline so that question never. Um, you know, gets asked. And so 
um, and then minorities in sports. And so there are many different programs that we participate in because we believe it is, um, it, it, all the voices need to be heard. And if you think about how content is captured, right? It's always from a point of view, maybe way particular gender, but what about if you see it from a different perspective? And so, and you know, yes, you know, the females do care about sports. And so changing that dynamic, it's gonna take a long time, um, but uh, we can see significant progress as long as our male allies engage and we have like honest conversations. Um, and we have seen progress over the past two years. We've you know we've seen women assistant coaches. Uh, mm -hmm. We're seeing some changes in terms of the media production side of the house. So you know let's let's celebrate those milestones, but also realize that's not enough. So I'm super um, eager to like you know fast forward 20 years from now and see how the landscape has changed. Yeah, no, so 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 true. I mean, uh, there's still a lot of work. Um, to be done. And, you know, that that's one of the reasons why, I mean, you know, for, for us, Nate and I, just from, you know, with H6 Sports Tech, that's what in our, in, in, in Houston, you know, we've been trying to, you know, expose, you know, these, these, these students at the college level, you know, whether they're, you know, women, black and brown, expose them to different paths in the industry, you know, having these mentoring programs, you know, that, that they can actually learn, like, what does it take to be a general manager or, you know, a, a CFO at a professional, you know, sports organization? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, if you if you don't know, you don't know. If you're not exposed, you just have no idea. And you think, you know, all, all, all there is is just, well, if I, if I don't go to the NBA, then I can't be in sports. And so- yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then it's always, it's interesting because they're like, oh, I'm interested in technology, but I'm more interested in sports. And then it becomes an either or. And I'm like, no, it's not an either or, it's an and. Like yes. you can bring both of your passions together and you don't have to be an engineer because you could be a really savvy like business person and work with the NFL, negotiate like business contracts or, so there's so many, or you can represent an athlete and think about their social media and think about the world differently with Clubhouse. Like there's. There's so much opportunity. And I think um, I always like for the next generation, I'm like, just become your perpetual student. Keep on asking questions and do not be afraid to pick up the phone, um, not pick up the phone nowadays, but like reach out via LinkedIn and people are willing to help. You'd be more surprised. Like people will say, yes, happy to have a conversation with you. Yeah, no, so, so, so true, so true. Hey, Tim, I know you guys are, uh, you guys are an investor in the Angel City. And so, you know, I'm just curious, man, like what, you know, besides besides the brand look and feel being like super awesome and besides it, you know, being just good for business to invest in women, like what were some of the other things that you guys saw as far as the potential uh, from an investment standpoint in like Angel City? Um, because I think Sandra, she really mentioned a good point that, you know, women like, I, like are so influential in the household when it comes to, you know, sports. Um, and just speaking for myself, my wife is a coach's daughter. So sports, I mean, that's, I mean, in our house, I mean, that that's that's always, you know, up for discussion. And my wife is always, you know, trying to find out what things that she can, you know, purchase or whatever the case is that's sports related. So um, Tim, can you kind of speak on, you know, Angel City and, and, and why that was, uh, you know, something that, you know, that why that organization was, uh, was an investment that, that really piqued you guys' interest? Yeah, sure, sure. So, so yeah, I mean, for everybody that 
may not be aware, uh, Angel City is is uh, uh, one of the new expansion teams for for the women's uh, um, soccer league um, in LA. And uh, you know, my my journey and, and really being interested in in uh, women's sports has has been you know um, you know a, a, you know a few decades now. But uh, where I really you know started to to learn a lot more about is I I had made an investment in a uh, a, a new media company, you know, around the, the female sports fans, you know, and unfortunately that that company wasn't able to kind of find that that product market fit. But, you know, it's really stayed with me, you know, over the last few years. And, you know, once I uh, was able to connect with, uh, you know, uh, the great team now that that's at, you know, Angel City and, and had a lot of discussions about, you know, what the opportunity um, you know, is, is, you know, kind of currently and, and where it could really go. It just was something that, uh, uh, you know, just, just seemed to be, you know, where, um, you know, I, I was very interested in, and, uh, you know, wanted to, to participate. And, uh, you know, I think that, uh, yeah, Ash, to, to your point, like, you know, the, the, the brand building, you know, has really started from, from day one. It's, and it's already, you know, kind of, kind of evolved over the last, um, you know, six months or so, and then, you know, now has a lot of uh, momentum kind of going into, you know, when we're going to be able to participate in the, the expansion draft at the end of the year. And then we don't take the field um, until until next year in, in uh, 22. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's it's really just continuing to, to open up the opportunities like we've, we're talking about here in, in women's sports from, you know, the athletes, you know, from uh, those that are in the front office, those are working, you know, in operations. Th those are that are working on on game day. I mean, we have, um, I think we're up to five um, supporter groups now um, that that have mostly been been organic, um, and it's just it's just amazing to see the reception. You know, not only in the LA area, but but even you know around the country and even internationally. I, I've even had a lot of, um, uh, you know great conversations just just with people uh you know in other countries and and say that you know they're, they're talking about angel city so um you know i think it's it's a really great you know momentum but also movement um you know to continue to enhance what's already happening and, and supporting you know you know women and, and women's sports and um you know even at um you know at, at intersect vc i mean we've invested in in you know more than half our companies are are in, in women um you know founded companies so you know it, it's something that's been you know really long standing um you know for us to um you know continue to support um and and we just can't be more excited about uh, you know what what uh, the future brings nice there's a quote that Fred Taylor uses on I Am Athlete, exposure leads to expansion. That, and this is related to Verone um, and kind of what Sandra mentioned, like the exposure and kind of creating an awareness of there's opportunities within entrepreneurship, within investment for women, for minorities. Are you seeing or have you started to see any shift or focus on uh, incubators, accelerators, VC firms targeting women or minorities to get more into that sports tech entrepreneurship or esports side of things? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's without question. You're seeing every fund wants, as as Tim just said, every fund talks about it in that way. They want to be conscious of how many, what is the mix of founders that they are, that they're helping. Um, I think there are funds, mainly in the US, I can't say I've seen too many in Europe, 
but there are funds which are exclusively for um, minorities. There are funds exclusively to support women founders, um, and usually those kind, in my experience, at least so, so far, that I've seen, they're not specifically for sports tech. They're for minority founders across the board. Um, but yeah, I think sports tech funds or especially accelerator programs, if there are women fund teams, they do they do get exposure. So yeah, it's a trend that we're seeing increasingly and yeah, hope it continues. I'm fairly sure that it will. We will make sure it, ha- it continues, Ron. Yeah, yes, because it needs to. Do part. <laughs> it, it, it really needs to, I mean, you know, it is uh, something that, I, again, I think that, you know, everyone recognizes that there's definitely a need for it to, to change. And so it's just a matter of just, you know, folks working together and, and collaborating. And so, you know, um, before we wrap things up, you know, I definitely want to ask, you know, from from your perspective, Sandra, and then I'll, you know, we can ping pong it to, you know, Tim and, and, and Ron um, afterwards. but. I wanted to ask you, Sandra, like just from Intel, Intel's perspective, what do you think are some of the um, things that you've seen out, you know, in across the country um, that are, you know, things that Houston can kind of learn and take away in order to become a sports tech hub? Because I think that we've seen, for example, Indianapolis, you know, for example, you have the Pacers, you have the Tech Stars, you know, all of these, you know, corporations and 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 accelerators working together to kind of create, you know, this ecosystem. But from your perspective, what do you think, um, you know, are those kind of takeaways that Houston uh, can 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 listen to in regards to trying to create this hub? Great. I mean, I think I think the first question is who does who does Houston want to become? You know, does Houston, you know, with opportunity, like there's a lot of cities that have aspired to become Silicon Valley and have actually, whether it's in Miami, whether it's in Atlanta um, and have challenged, you know, the Valley. And now with COVID, everybody could be dispersed. And so I would say the challenge is that Houston can become a leading hub in sports and technology akin to how they're leading in oil and gas, right? You have a bunch of sports teams and you have a lot of probably smart technologists as well and if they're not in your hometown they're only a a phone call away right i mean we're all most tech industries and um vcs we're all accessible and i think it's really important for um to reflect back and i would say i would impart this knowledge is that you know pay attention to market trends like there was a lot of industries that have hurt themselves because they were playing catch up and really believe it's going to happen. Like the whole NFT conversation, it's it, it's not a fact. It is real. The metaverse is real. Pay attention to that. Figure out how you're going to support your citizens in that effort and your businesses and learn how to create an infrastructure so you can be ready for the future. Right. So that you can become the next iconic place that people admire. And I that and I that's what I would say is that you know if I look at you know cities or or states and what they've aspired to, right? They've you know they really wanted like we want to become the next Silicon Valley. And they did everything together working with private, public, you know, 
and made and made it happen and put it definitely put a, a dent into Silicon Valley. So um, if there's a will, there's always a way. And then the question is really who do they want to be? Who, do, who does Houston want to become? And I'm sure with both of your guys, you guys are going to help them kind of find the answer to that. That's exactly what we're trying. That's exactly what we're trying to do. <laughs> yep, and we're here. Look, when you know we have we have a we have presence everywhere. So, um, yeah. Intel's happy to support and help in any way that we can. Yes, and we appreciate it. We appreciate it. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I could I, I could jump in. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I think I think I think Ash, like like you said, like you know, like TechStar Sports and and indie. I think that, you know, like I, you know, honestly, I haven't spent that much time in Indianapolis, but, you know, I think, you know, being a mentor, you know, there at Techstar Sports, like, you know, like I, I just didn't, you know, appreciate, you know, how much, how big it was a, a sports town until I, I, you know, kind of was on the ground there and, and, and spent some time there. So, you know, and I think the same thing with, you know, with, with a lot of commonality with, with Stadia Ventures and what they've done in, in Frisco, Texas and in, in St. Louis, I mean, you know, take a lot of lessons you know, from, from, from those things, you know, I think, uh, you know, spending a little time, you know, there in Houston during, during Super Bowl week, you know, I, I think there's a lot of potential there, you know, and that was a few years ago and I'm, I'm sure it's, it's only gain, gain momentum. So, so yeah, I think, I think, you know, play to the strengths that, that are already embedded there, but like, just like, like, I, you know, sports tech is, is an emerging area, but really what the commonality with things around sports business is, is it really encompasses like all the different you know sectors and, and industries so what you know large applications that have worked with like oil and gas could be applied to sports tech i mean you know that's that's a good interesting starting point and, and then see where it kind of grows from there um yeah just to maybe finish that point i guess from my perspective let me let me say it this way i think really thriving successful startup uh, sports tech hubs we've seen have three primary good drivers a really good supply of good quality startups a good bunch of investors who, who are willing to put a bit of give bucks behind it and three the supporting cast which is the supporting cast or the supporting initiatives which really give depth to the ecosystem this these are the accelerators the initiatives um, whether it's by sports teams whether it's by enthusiastic guys such as yourself somebody who the ecosystem can come together on now the startups are usually around there's startups everywhere and investors will follow wherever there are quality startups and money will come as well the initiatives the supporting cast which is what holds the whole ecosystem together that's what a city needs and the other cities that you mentioned you talked about one each it's not like there are 20 it's there are, there's there's one mainly there's one fisco that are, i mean there are some cities which have a lot but most cities just have one or two. That's all it needs. It just needs one. One one initiative which brings all the sports teams together, brings all the key players in the local ecosystem, brings the companies like Intel on board, brings the investors on board, and puts them in front of these startups and say, hey guys, meet. That's all it takes. This one, and hopefully you guys will be the one for Houston. Cool, appreciate that. Uh, just to close it out, I wanted to give everybody a chance to kind of let everybody know where they can find you or connect with you and or if you want to share anything that you're working on with your respective companies. Um, I, I can go. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to follow up accordingly. And as the seasons are kicking off, there's some exciting things that we have planned with our lead partners. So stay tuned and keep track of Intel Sports and TrueView. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for for me, same. Uh, you know, uh, you can find me on on LinkedIn. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, just it's just really like you know, for, for me at, at Intersect, you know, we we really just like to invest in you know great founders. Um, you know, we're, we're we're sector agnostic, you know, but but we you know like to utilize you know what uh, we've done in sports just to um, you know help our portfolio companies. Um, nice, yeah, Ron Malotra again. Find me on LinkedIn, like the others, uh, but never miss a chance at a plug. So I'm going to talk about another thing that we're doing. Um, so Sports Tech X is, is around, that's our B2B side, Hello Sports Tech, thanks Nate, you helped me talk about that a bit. And the third thing that we've just kind of launched, because NFTs is such a big hot sp- space and there's so much action happening, um, we've launched a property called Nifty Sports, um, niftysports.co, which is right now is just a simple newsletter, uh, which will tell you whenever there are new drops, what are, what's, what are the new NFTs coming out in, in sports and which platforms, who's doing well and who not so much uh, yeah at least there's one place where you can filter through that noise so you can come check that one out as well cool appreciate it uh for myself i wanted to thank everybody for their time to get together and have this conversation uh ash any other closing thoughts from you yeah hey so y'all we we really appreciate the time uh and, and thank you so much for sharing those insights uh, some takeaways, best practices, just all, all of the insights that you guys share. We are very grateful for that. And thank you for the time. We look forward to staying connected with you guys and definitely uh, working with y'all. So appreciate it. And uh, till, till, till next time.